Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. Some of you are live streaming and some of you are here live at our campus in Charlotte, North Carolina. However you're connecting with us, I'm really glad to be able to connect back with you. I'm Talbot Davis, the pastor here. And this is week number two of this series. No, really. Who's your one? In, in 2021, we had a series. You might not have been here then or, or paying attention then, but we had a series called Who's Your One, a series about the importance of uh, a faith that has been given to you. How are you giving it away to other people? And so we wanted that not just to be a kind of a series of messages, but we want it to become who we are as a people. And so this year, not the same messages, but the same idea, digging deep into know really who's your one. This message is called Tattletales. And if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to open your Bible to the letter to the Romans, chapter 10 and verses 9 through 14. Uh, again, this is where, the, where, where we're landing for the bulk of the series. We're really trying to go as deep as we can into this small slice of New Testament words. Romans chapter 10 and verses 9 through 14. And uh, some of you may have a Bible that looks like this and others your Bible's on your phone and others don't have either one and you're wondering, well, what am I going to do? And in, in that case, the words are going to be up on the screen at just the right time like, like they always are. And and we, we go to those links. We'd love for you to bring your Bible or, or, or scroll to your Bible on your phone. We love all of that because we believe, we love the Bible. We don't worship the Bible, this church, but we do love it. And we love it because we believe that it's inspired words help us adore the Savior. We love the scripture so that we can adore the Savior. And because we know that throughout the scripture, all the, the vast library that is the Bible, all these words, all these stories, all these truths do point to the Jesus who has brought us together today. And out of that reverence that we have for the Bible, we do something kind of unusual when we're together, when we're talking about the Bible. And this is true of live streamers as well, because y'all tell me, we lift it up. And if you haven't been here before, you haven't tuned in before, and you see Bibles in the air, and you're just like... I've not seen that before when we're like, well, neither have we. And then you're like, that's kind of weird. And we say it is strange, but we've discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community. There were a collection of people joyfully, not forcefully, joyfully surrendered to the authority of the word and ready for its power to be let loose in our lives. Amen. And before I say another word, let's pray. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. For you are the potter, and I am the clay. In your name, amen. So a while back, a couple months ago or so, I conducted a highly sophisticated, data-driven, analytic-saturated internet research project. Are y'all impressed? And in this highly sophisticated internet research project, I asked people on social media, if you are a Christian, if you have said yes to Jesus, who was it in your life who told you about Jesus in such a way that you said yes? Now, don't write a novel. 
Much less an essay, just a name and maybe a detail about this person who influenced you. And so that put that out there on social media. Now, I do know that for, for some of you, that, that whole very first condition, if you're a Christian, if you've said yes to Jesus, that doesn't include you because you haven't yet. And that's okay, I'm really glad you're here. But, but in that case, if you've ever wondered, well, how did all these kind of odd people decide to say yes to this invisible savior, Jesus? How did all that happen? Well, here are the results of my, did I tell you that it was a highly sophisticated <laughs> internet research project? So here are, some of the, here are some of the answers that people gave. One person, my next door neighbor, Dot Whitmire. Second one, Kevin Bouchelon and Jared Alleman shared the gospel with me the first time in 2008 at a camp in Hungary called Speak Out. And then about a year later, Andrews Galambos crew staff and mentor shared it with me at a Burger King. And that time I said yes to Jesus. Cause who can't say yes to the King of Kings while you're at the Burger King? <laughs> Mr. J at Good Shepherd Summer Camp in 2006. He's the one who asked me if I wanted to give my life to Jesus and Mr. Bob was the one who convinced me to get baptized. My parents, they told me who Jesus was as they showed me. My best friend, Tatiana Gonzalez, her family demonstrated God's love. My parents did, but who specifically led me to Christ was Debbie Cosby, who was my Sunday school teacher, also family friend. And she explained what following Christ was and how to say yes. Sitting on the bathroom sink, watching my dad shave. I was four years old when he prayed with me and I asked our living hope into my life. No regrets. A boy named Steve. We worked together when I was 18. He invited me to the Harvest Crusade in California. I went and I said yes to Jesus. He was such a tiny part of my life and yet quite possibly had the biggest impact I'll ever know. And then it was you all at Good Shepherd as I stood up on December the 19th, 2021 and said yes to Jesus. So happy I was there that day. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it also interesting how often we preachers, we're convinced that we're gonna dominate that list and we're never on it. <laughs> and I love that because I think that's the way the church is supposed to be and that's the way the church is really supposed to operate. But it is so interesting, Good Shepherd, for, for those of you who've said yes to Jesus, there was in fact someone who told you about him. Now, for those of you who haven't said yes to Jesus, it could be because no one has told you about him yet. It could be because someone told you about him and didn't do a good job of it. Or it could also be because someone told you and did a pretty good job of telling you, but those words came out of a, the mouth of someone you couldn't like and didn't respect. And, and, and all that is understandable. But for the vast majority of us, the significant majority of us, at some point in our lives, someone has taken the time and made the effort to tell us something about Jesus, about his life and his death and his resurrection and his reign and his return. At some level, we've had most of us 
And it didn't happen to me till I was 17, but at some level, most of us have had some kind of experience like that little boy who, who went to a new Sunday school class and his, his mom afterwards, his mom asked her, well, what's your teacher's name? And the little boy said, I don't know, but, but I think she's Jesus's grandmother. <laughs> and, and mom said, you don't know her name, but you think she's Jesus's grandmother. Why do you think she's Jesus's grandmother? And he says, because she never talked about anyone else. And, and a lot of you have had a Jesus's grandmother at some point in your life. And as we move, move deeper into this series, no, really, who's your one? Sort of understanding the kind of, kind of the, the methods and, and, and the motivation and the, and the purpose behind all this tattletaling that has been going on around us for so long is, is really where we're headed. And we, we have been taking this deeper dive into a, a, a small slice of one New Testament letter. It's, it's a letter written by Paul, pastor, missionary, author, to the church in the ancient city of Rome, ancient and modern city of Rome, but the church there is called the Romans. That's why the letter is called the letter to the Romans. And Paul has spent the, you may not know this, Paul has spent the bulk of his time in the book of Romans, not writing a letter to you who live in North America in the year 2022, but he spent the bulk of his time writing a letter to the, to the Romans themselves, explaining to them kind of correcting this misunderstanding that they'd had because they had thought there was one way for people who were Jewish to get right with God, to connect with God, to go to heaven when they die. And another way for everybody who wasn't Jewish, what we would call Gentile. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. There's one path for all people and that path has something significant to do with Jesus. And that's why last week, we'll look at it again, he, he kind of culminates the, his subsection of his section in Romans chapter 10 and verse, 10, verse 13. Look, look at what he says. For everyone, Paul says, and the implication is everyone, whether you're Jewish or Gentile or whatever, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and if you're, you're with us last week, we spent a little bit of time saying what goes without saying, that if everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, the reverse is also true. Everyone who doesn't call on the name of the Lord will be lost. Yikes. Well, Paul goes on from there and he asks these three rhetorical questions to the Roman church. Look at what he says in, in verse 14. How then? Can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And you know what is so cool about these three straight rhetorical questions? The, the book of Romans, like virtually every other book in the Bible, I don't know if you know this, was not written to be studied, it was written to be heard because it was written in a world and to an audience that was largely illiterate. So as Paul is writing these words, he's assuming these words are gonna be spoken out loud to the church and they were, and you know that when they were, these questions got spoken out loud to the church, how then can they call on the one they haven't believed in? The church must have thundered back. They did call and response. They must have thundered back. They can't. And second, how can they believe in the one they haven't heard of? They can't. 
And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And you know, the church called back, we will. And so with these questions, with this drill, and when you understand, man, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, that's verse 13, and how can they call on him if they haven't heard of him? You know that word call has everything to do with what we call these days getting saved and spend eternity in heaven. The, the, the methods and the motivations all become suddenly very clear. And, and the, the reason we all got told, those of us who've been told, and some of you were told with integrity, and some of you were told without it, and someone, some of you were told very well, and some of you only got a partial hearing, but all of it becomes suddenly very clear. And it's not at all complex. It's not even a little complex. But here it is, as you think about who's your one this you were told so you would tell that's it you you were told so you would tell you were given if you have said yes to Jesus you were given a gift of the gospel so that you might give it to someone else someone shared the good news about who Jesus is with you so you would share it with someone you you inherited this faith so that you could pass it on to someone else you were told so you would tell as we've been asking you to think about who is that one person in your life and it could be a parent it could be a child a sibling, a friend, a spouse, a coworker, a neighbor, who's that one person in your life who you know hasn't said yes to a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Lord is, is putting that name and, and their soul on your mind and in your heart. Well, I'm just here to tell you today, you were told, so you would tell. Because here's what we don't wanna have happen with the gospel. We, we, we don't want the gospel to be Luigio Teresio'd. You're like, what in the, how can you turn Luigio Teresio into a verb? <laughs> Luigi Teresio died a couple of generations ago in Italy, as the name might suggest. And in the aftermath of his death, his, uh, his family and his friends, when they were going through his stuff, they found in his house, 246 violins and these weren't no fiddles they were Stradivariuses though in the plural is it Stradivarii I, 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 I don't know we somebody looked that up and but don't interrupt me to tell me the answer there were a bunch of Stradivarius violins in Luigi Teresio's home, and he had deprived the world of their exquisite sound for all those years because he had hoarded those violins and he'd never shared them. And that's what so many of us do with the gospel. We're like, okay, yeah, somebody told me, I'm so glad that, that, that Sunday school teacher, that my parents or that my brother or, or, or that my spouse, I'm so glad they told me, but, and I'm glad I'm going to heaven when I die, but, but I'm, not really, I'm not really the sharing, it's more, it's more personal, it's more private. I'm not really the sharing, risking kind. You know what? That, that's not only false, that's not even gospel. The gospel isn't the gospel unless you're sharing it. Your faith 
will never be more alive than when you're giving it to someone else. Jesus will never be more real to you than when you are trying to share what he's done in your story with someone who hasn't yet said yes to him. You, the, the gospel is only, you can't have the good news of the gospel and then hoard it because it ceases to be good news. You were told, so you would tell. Now, I know you, I know, I know a lot of you. I've known some of you years and years and years, and, and, I, and I know what, what some of you are thinking right now. You're, you're kind of freaking out. And, and, and you're like, can't, can't I just show it? Can't I just live a really good life and show the gospel by, the kind of, by what a good person I am, and then I don't really have to get in all that messy business of telling? First of all, don't overestimate your own goodness. Second, you, you might have heard that line. It, it's so trendy. It, it, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. And that sounds so smart. It sounds so much like what the world needs. It sounds a lot of like, like one of our bottom lines at Good Shepherd Church. I mean, it just sounds right. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. And on one level, a lot of that is true. On another level, it's balderdash, malarkey, whatever ridiculous word. It, it's a pie, it's, it's a load. It's ridiculous. You know why? Because the gospel is words. The gospel is a story. And if we don't tell the story, people won't know the story. The gospel has a savior and his name is Jesus. And if we don't say it in adoration, everyone else will say it in condemnation. So yeah, we want to live out the faith with integrity and with, and with honesty. We, we do want to show the gospel, but to think that you can show the gospel and never use words to tell the gospel, I dare say that's a lie that Satan loves to perpetrate in our world. You were told, so you would tell. Because again, Again, there, there, there's, there's a story that has to be told. And, and some of you, you're like, well, how do I how do, I do that? I, 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 I'm freaking out, but you kind of have me convinced because I don't really want to trust my own goodness to just let everybody know that my own goodness comes from Jesus because maybe I'm not all that good. And, and, and how do, so how do I tell, can I give you just a couple of real practical suggestions? If, if you're, okay, Talbot, you got me. I was told, so I would tell. Very, very simply, one, one practical suggestion. Tell how his story intersected your story. You, you, when you try to share Jesus, you can never do better than what he's done in your life. Share how it is that his story intersected with your story. I remember not too long ago, I was talking to a, a young man about the, the anger that he felt, kind of the anger that characterizes life. And he actually described his anger as, as a dark pit of rage. And I was just learning how to speak gospel, actually. And so for, for, for like once in my life, I didn't try to give him advice. I tried to give him Jesus. And I said, you know, 
Jesus has already gone into that dark pit of rage with you so that he can bring you out in your own resurrection. And I saw light bulbs go on. And the light bulbs went on because I didn't, well, let's talk about three steps to deal with your anger. No, let's talk about Jesus. Listen, what dark pit has he brought you out of? Who here would, would be dead but for Jesus? Who here would be in jail but for Jesus? Who here would be in the depths of despair but for Jesus? You tell how his story intersected with your story and you can't do better than you. You were told, so you would tell. And second, very practical suggestion along these lines is, is to realize you don't know it all, but you do know enough. That you and me and, and all of us, we, we don't have the answers to all those really hard questions surrounding faith, but you know enough. People try to get you distracted on those, some of the, and I'll deal with a question or two in just a minute, but sometimes people try to get you distracted on those, those, those questions that are beside the point. The point, you, you know enough. Did Jesus live a perfect life? Yep. Did he die on the cross for all your imperfections? Yep. Did he rise again from the dead as a down payment on your forever? Yep. And when you say yes to him, do you know, can you have assurance that whatever goes wrong in this life and whatever you have to endure in this life, it will all pan out in the end because at the end of everything, Jesus writes every wrong and heals every hurt and you'll be on his side? Yep. You don't know it all, but you know enough. You were told, so you would tell. Sometimes we, uh, I, I, I think that one of the reasons that we don't tell people who haven't said yes to Jesus enough is that we don't quite tell one another the truths about Jesus. Some of you have heard that line in, in, the, in the Christian church world. They talk about speaking the truth in love which is usually sugarcoating an insult. I don't know if you know that. But actually, when, when the, the New Testament talks about speaking the truth of love, it's speaking the truths about Jesus over one another's life in love, which is why in a few minutes, we're gonna get to do celebrate Holy Communion to do exactly that. You were told. So you would tell. And a couple of, just a couple of objections you might encounter. I mean, I, I can't give you answers to all of them, but a couple that come up real, real frequently is people, you're, you're, you're trying to share Jesus with your one and, and they, will, they will say, well, what's to say that Jesus is any different from all the other great religious leaders in world history, whether it's Buddha or the Krishna or Muhammad or, or whomever or Gandhi, what, what, what does to separate Jesus from all the other great religious leaders in world history? And that was the, that was the question that I asked uh, of the fellow sharing the gospel with me when I was 17, I was sure I was gonna finally end this conversation. And, and instead he said, of all those great religious leaders, Jesus is the only one who claimed to be God and then proved it by rising from the dead. Hallelujah. Mic drop and soul saved 
and that soul was mine. And that's an answer that you can give when you get that objection. The, the other objection that, that with a kind of a different answer that a lot of people give, well, how can a good God allow so much pain and suffering in the world? And you know what? People have been wrestling with that one forever. And no one has ever come up with a concise fix all the problems, fill in the blank solution to that dilemma. And so you know what you do in that case when, when people ask you, well, how, it, how could this God that you believe in allow so much pain and suffering in the world? All you can do is admit, you know what? The, the Bible doesn't explain the origins of chaos. It just assumes that chaos is always going to be there. We don't know exactly why all that we do And that frees you up. I mean, frees you up from having to explain things that are kind of inexplicable. But what you can say, we don't know exactly why. The Bible assumes all those things will happen. Chaos is part of our world. And so in that, to that extent, we can be so grateful that the Bible doesn't live in a fantasy world. The Bible lives in, speaks to the real world. And that the, what we understand from the New Testament is that Jesus doesn't always tell us why bad things happen to good people. He just promises to fill those bad things with his presence and his goodness. That Jesus alone can massage the undeniably good out of what was unbelievably bad. In fact, has it ever occurred to you that maybe the reason God allowed that difficult season in your life, maybe the reason he took you through that valley of the shadow of death or had you endure that job loss or receive that diagnosis or struggle with that depression, maybe he brought you through that time, even allowed that time in your life so that you could give evidence of God's goodness in the middle of life's difficulties. You were told, so you would tell. Because who knows? In five years, seven years, 10 years, and some preacher does a highly sophisticated internet research project and asks the community, who told you about Jesus in a way that you said yes? Won't it be great when your name and your name and your name is on that list? Let's pray. So Lord, we've been told, we've heard about Jesus' perfect life, his sinless death, his resurrection. We've heard about the fact that he reigns right now and that he is coming back. And so as we have been told, Lord, would you give us the, the courage and the love Rid us of selfishness, rid us of pride. Would you make us the kind of people who tell? And these are prayers that we pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said,